Hello, Hello and welcome. welcome. I listen with this this time. There's actually like a lot of physical distance between us, so I'm pretty sure that you cut in before I did there. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the socially intoxicated awareness podcast. <laughs> it is a pleasure to be with you once again. Uh, a day removed from the last F1 race. Um, however, before we dig into that, uh, as Toby said, we're we're quite far apart right now. Not the usual one border, but there's a few borders separating us now, um, which is a weird way to put it. But yeah, uh, hi from Prague. The weather is finally starting to get better, and um, great, amazing town to have have a extended weekend in. So I recommend that to anybody who's thinking about going to Prague. Yeah, fun town, very fun town. I'm in boring old Maastricht. <laughs> Not in Prague, which I'm very jealous over. Same with my parents who are currently in Cardiff. Uh, and I'm very jealous over that. <laughs> um, to be fair, we were there a few weeks ago yeah. in Cardiff. And in Prague, we were in, I think, August. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, to be fair, I was like I was looking at, at flights from Friday to Monday, but they didn't have any. Uh, the the uh, flight on Friday to Cardiff was, well, uh, to Bristol. The cheap Ryanair one was booked out, so... Otherwise, I might have gone. It would have been worth it, I think. I think that's uh, definitely something to, to look at. Well, Toby, apart from looking at cheap flights or non-cheap flights, how was your weekend? Ah, I had a good time. Um, it's nice to wake up to Formula One for once, you know. I usually wake up between like 7 and 8. And this weekend, that was pretty much, yeah, you wake up, you wake up around that time. Uh, you have FP2 or qualifying or the race to look forward to. Um, it was a bit of a struggle on Sunday morning uh, because, as you might know, uh, the race was pre- uh, quite early for us in the in the European um, time zones. So I had a I had an alarm set night. I'd gone to bed quite late that night. Um, for once, not hungover, which was lovely. Um, to wake up at six seventy five, I believe, and then I woke up, barely managed to put the race on in time to watch the start, and then quite immediately. Um, <laughs> and then quite immediately um fell back asleep until about lap 12 uh, but i watched the start i watched the important I think, bits i think you may have still been drunk which is why it wasn't a hangover at that time point yet no no no. i just did... said 675 675 <laughs> not a time 675 oh, 657 657 <laughs> sorry sorry yes yeah that's what i was trying that's why i was hesitating uh, because i was trying to do that in my mind <laughs> um, but it didn't work very well. Um, um, yeah, uh, I came home at I think four in the morning, Saturday night, having spent a lovely evening in the London Underground, an iconic bar here in Prague. And um, well, after making a mess in the toilet, I uh, I just combed out and I woke up at eleven and I was like, oh great, I got to watch the race before half an hour later realizing. I've definitely missed the entire race. Um, but the highlights were very promising. And the general storyline of that that race uh, seemed to be there. I'm very impressed, to be honest, that you managed to even see 11 laps of the race, as well <laughs> as the start. Um, so so props to you. Props to you. It was fun, man. Um, it was an interesting weekend, right? Um, I think the main narrative was the Ferrari Red Bull situation. Um, Ferrari looking strong, Red Bull looking like they're really getting into contention. But then a lot of things went wrong in um, in, pra- in the practices and in the qualifying, especially costing Science's lap, uh, really. 
Um, so I think by the time the race rolled around, no one was really sure how it was going to go because the Red Bull top speed advantage might show itself more in the race than in, um, than in qualifying. They had four DRS stunts, then turned it down to three um, over, the, um, over the course of the practices. So for me, it was really, I wasn't sure who I was going to be rooting for. Um, or well, I knew who I was rooting for, but who I think, who I thought was the, the main contender. I knew the Ferraris looked strong and it'd probably be up to Red Bull to uh, challenge them. But I thought, okay, let's see how they, how they do. Um, quite immediately, it became clear that the Ferrari was a much better package, uh, just a much smoother car to drive. Um, they pulled ahead really quickly. Well, Sainz did, uh, Leclerc did. Sainz kind of, uh, yeah, outdrove himself, let's say, which was really a shame. Uh, to watch yeah, and to, and for him. to be honest yeah because he was you know he he didn't have the greatest of starts i felt and then he was trying really hard and you could just see how how devastating it was a bit for him you know it's it's a kind of bad place to run off and and he was lucky in the sense that no one t-boned him um yeah but yeah his his but, race ended pretty prematurely there but i think for him he just got unlucky for the weekend uh, and it was, uh, he admitted that he made a small mistake and we'll get to that in a sec. But uh, if you just look at how qualifying ended, there was, I mean, that's a whole funny story of this like last incident and how much repair time Aston Martin spent. They probably spent half of their annual budget <laughs> for this weekend, just repairing the cars because uh, they seemed to crash in every single second uh, session. So in qualifying, though, signs was about he had just basically completed his fastest lap, but a few meters before he crossed the finish line, the red flag was woven. So it was counted yeah. out, didn't count, and therefore he ended up ninth on the starting grid, which really sucks which, uh, for but, him which because he isn't... honestly didn't do much to deserve that. No, absolutely like, not. It was unlucky. Nothing very. More, nothing less. So there he is on ninth place uh, on the grid. And then they also have the, I don't know if they dealt with this at the start. I think I heard that it was an issue. He had a steering wheel issue. I'm not sure how much it affected anything, uh, how much it explains his terrible start, but he got passed by, I think, both Alpha Tauris at the start. And I'm not sure who else. Um, but he fell back immediately. And then I think that increased his frustration at his situation. And a few laps later, or later in the race when he ended up spinning out, what he admitted in the post-show or the, the interviews was that he uh, he thought the tires were warmed up enough to overtake, and that was his lack of judgment. But as you said, it was very close to um, to hitting one of one or two other cars when he spun across because he wasn't going slow, and the other ones were going pretty yeah. fast as well. Yeah, and, and he I wasn't think controlled. It was, it was Zhou Guangyu who um, who almost or who who was very close to him when he went across. And yeah, yeah, zero control. So uh, that's definitely a sucky way to end the weekend for Sainz. Which, yeah. but it was nice to see for the championship fight that Ferrari didn't get two podiums again, which kind of keeps the constructors a little bit at bay. Um, but I'm ready after this weekend to say that Ferrari is the clear-cut favorite, and they've already pretty much won the the championship. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm gonna keep it at that. I'm fully aboard the hype train. You're aboard the hype train. Fully I mean, aboard. They, they are, they're, they're what? Almost double ahead of their next competitor now. And let it be known, everybody keeps talking Red Bull and Ferrari. Second place in the constructors is Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Second place in the in the driver's standings is Russell. It's Russell. Yeah, I know. So, I know. like Max is in sixth, and I think Perez is in fourth. So there's like 
there's no real immediate challenger right now. And Ferrari had more time last year. It seems like that's actually have had an effect initially. We've seen good starting seasons from Ferrari before and see them tail off at the end. Mm-hmm. But I've personally never heard them this confident about a car coming into the season. Yeah. Uh, the way they were talking about it. And, I, and, 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 you know, like saying, oh, yeah, you can check out our car. Here's our full car launch. It's there. We're happy with it. This is what we got. We think yeah. we have a good shot. Like, yeah. no bullshit. It's nice. I mean, the, the thing is, and um, I realize we've, we've moved away a bit from the narrative of the race uh, towards the narrative of the season in general. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, That's it's fine. I'm, I'm actually quite happy with it because, and to be fair, not that much happened in the race. And I know there, you know, I know there's two narratives here. One is saying, well, the race was boring. And the other one is saying, well, it wasn't boring. It was just badly directed. I'll say it was badly directed and boring. Um, mm. Because what the makes... DRS, because the yeah. DRS trains, you know, that, you know, the, even the midfield fights, yes, they were interesting. And for sure, the, you know, the Alban situation was interesting to keep track of and, um, and how the McLaren's dealt and all these sort of things. It was fun, you know, but it wasn't, you know, it's not like there was a lot. It's not, it's not like there was that much going on. It wasn't that interesting. It was just more interesting than people give it credit, but still not that cool is, is my thought on it, which is fine. 100%. Yeah. 100 percent um what makes you say it was badly directed though are there like is it like taking the drs zone out or no, what are you no oh no not the, not taking the drs zone out i meant like the actual tv direction right it was such a focus on oh not such the, a focus not the... on the top fights and not on like the the fun stuff that was going on behind them which is you know fair enough but i think that's been a common topic of the first few races of the season that yeah. has not been an isolated event in Jeddah. i remember there was so many great battles in the back of the field Yep. But it seemed like they're so used to last year. There's only two cars that can be interesting yep. to watch. In Bahrain, there's so much was, more exciting stuff going back. And I mean, uh, the, in Jeddah, it was a bit better. I heard uh, from the general upper, uh, the general opinion I heard online. Yeah, but Bahrain and Jeddah both to me were not very great. I mean, what was nicer in Jeddah is that the top two drivers finished right, and they had some close battling, so it was more exciting at the front. But in in Bahrain. You know, after Max's initial challenges, they still focused on Leclerc the whole way at the end. And it was like, okay, well, you could focus on some stuff going further back. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, though, I, I hadn't heard that about Australia yet. Just reading um, news and, and other opinions and stuff, I hadn't heard um, that that the TV direction also was not so great for, um, for Australia. But, um, yeah, going, I guess, over the race again, uh, shout out to... Danny Rick, who finally got a race at home again after, I think, three years. I think 2019 was the last race, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because 2020 was canceled, the season opener, I think. And uh, he didn't have a shit race like he did in 2019 with Renault. So props to him. <laughs> uh, the other guy I want to give a shout out to is, is, is um, Albon. He's been out for a year and he left fairly disgraced. From Red Bull, yeah. got a seat back, admittedly with Red Bull's help uh, at the Williams, and basically in three races, as as you so eloquently put it, Toby, he, in three races he's achieved the same thing what Russell achieved in three years. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it's not like super compa- uh, super comparable, you know, blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. But the fact of the matter is that we have to maybe have a look at. If Russell was, I mean, Russell is fantastic, right? Don't get me wrong. He's third in the championship. He's performing really well in the Mercedes, blah, 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 blah. But it, was it really Russell that was so extremely good or was it Latifi that was just a shit comparison? Well, Williams have come out already 
since the season has started and said they are not reliant on Latifi's money anymore. Mm-hmm. I forget what company it is, and I honestly could care less because now they were bought up from, I think, this year, from or was it last year? Last year, yeah. Last year Chronic from Holdings Dur- or something. Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> Doritos Holding Company. Um, exactly. Uh, Doritos Holding Company. So they uh, they continued uh, pumping in money, and I think they don't need to rely on any specific driver sponsorships yeah. now, which is really nice. Um, yeah. And, and Michael Latifi think... had a good season last year, I felt. He did. This season, however... Looking real bad. Has not. He's had, I think, four crashes in two weekends, which, I mean, it can't be good for the budget. No, it, it, it can't be. And I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at his level of of carelessness because the qualifying incident with Stroll, and I don't think there's a hundred percent fault to be given here. So basically, to recap real quick. Oh uh, well, I mean, I do think it's ninety percent Stroll. I've heard. Well, let me recap it because I heard a couple of things that make me not hate Stroll to like, like, like fully push it on him. Uh, basically, in qualifying, um, if someone's on a flying lap, you're supposed to let the other cars by, so they, you know, don't don't hinder them, get them, get them, uh, let them go by. And essentially, Stroll was on a flying lap, a qualifying lap, mm-hmm. and was coming up to Latifi, who slowed down as you should, and um, because he was still warming up his tires. So he slowed down, pulled over to the right, Latifi did, and Stroll went by them, by him. Now, this this whole thing happens in about a stretch of like five seconds, and right after he passes him, it's obvious that Stroll decreases his speed significantly and aborts his lap, mm-hmm. um, which then, for, for Latifi... Um, the, the 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 instant reaction that Latifi does is then he sees that and goes, okay, well, if he aborts, then I'm going to pass him again. Mm-hmm. So he goes on the inside and tries to re-overtake, which I think is super risky because as far as I was aware, there was still quite a bit of time left and he could have, you know, it, it, it wasn't the end of the world if he stayed behind Stroll there or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I think everybody knew on the radio, though, is that there was two Alfa Romeos and a McLaren coming behind Stroll and Latifi that were, these two of them were on flying laps or something along those lines. Uh, but they were they were both going to pass uh, those two cars. And in that risk, after Stroll aborted his lap, having passed Latifi, he pulled over to the right. And this is what I heard. I heard that he was told on the radio to let the others pass. So he trusted his radio blindly. And he checked his left mirror, saw the cars, that was confirmation. He had just passed Latifi. And it's very weird that you, in qualifying, you re-overtake each other. That usually doesn't happen. Um, And he went right, Stroll did, right into Latifi, who was trying to like repass. And I didn't understand that risky move on Latifi's point because he's crashed three cars already. Hmm. like what's what's the point with another one like i don't mind you but if, if you're at the logic. point where you have to think you know you just let someone through and you think oh well you know maybe i shouldn't do the same thing that he just did because he might start crashing into me you know come on where, where do we go then agree you know, like you you can you can push it and pull it all you want it is you know stroll turned into latifi and yeah it, it, it he didn't do it on purpose and it was just a dumb mistake but it's the same as the same i said last year with with verstappen and Hamilton, you know, at some point you have to start believing that these world-class drivers have a mediocre of, you know, awareness and perception. 
in no. even in, in even in these cars you know something like this shouldn't happen same as hamilton not overtaking verstappen when he slows down on a straight these things yes of course everything is about confusion at the moment but these things shouldn't happen and you shouldn't turn into someone who overtakes you well and if we look at the season so far i think the drivers under most scrutiny are those two drivers that were involved strolling mm-hmm. the tv and stroll both finished okay really poorly yeah i to be fair, they both have really shit cars. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both clearly the worst cars on the field. Uh, the Aston Martin is so bad that for the first time in, I think, over a decade, Vettel has not named his car, which usually he does. But he basically has not named this car because it doesn't deserve a name because it's yeah. so shit. <laughs> which, <laughs> if you think about that, that's so petty. And yep. it really shows the frustration that's there. Uh, so Stroll and Latifi, I think they're under huge. I think the third driver under the um, very close with Sonoda is Mick Schumacher, actually. And yep. only because Magnussen is now there. Yeah, but Schumacher outdrove or finished ahead of Magnussen. I don't qualified too. Yeah. Um, so I think Schumacher isn't. I mean, Schumacher and Sonoda, I believe, are at heart competent drivers. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, well, they're, I mean, they're all competent the drivers, two. right? Um, my, my thought is, yeah, Schumacher not having scored points so far is really a shame. Same for Sonoda. Both of them are underperforming, but I have, you know, at least, well, yeah. <laughs> at least when Schumacher crashed, it wasn't into another car. It was a mistake he made that only affected him, but it was still not good. Yeah, I think, well, Sonoda has four points already in the season, so he's, he's gotten some. And he's only two points behind Gasly. Mm-hmm. So that's something. something. How many points does Sonoda have? Did, did he score four. points? Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Six. In, uh, yeah, this, in the first yeah. race, he uh, scored points. Um, yeah, right. I'm not sure if he scored points consecutive, but uh, Gasly also has... They're, they're neck and neck, the two of them. So as long as Sonoda's with Gasly, he's fine. Mm-hmm. So good start to the season for him in total, I think. Um. What's what's I mean, another week we were on the topic of the Aston Martins and um, Stroll not having the best of weekends, although to be fair, Stroll finished in P12. Um, I think that's solid. He wasn't lapped, which, you know, is something to be said for. Um, but then again, the Williams, which is the one that they can compare to car wise, Albon beat them significantly. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know exactly how the how the. Um, safety car affected the lower tier order of the cars finishing i know hamilton for example would have finished ahead of russell and gotten the podium had it not been for the uh, safety car um Uh, do you know that at least that's what i was reading everywhere and what everybody seemed to say but maybe that's just the media narrative narrative, yeah i mean to be fair um at the end i believe uh hamilton could have probably attacked russell uh but didn't. First Mercedes podium. So honestly, congrats to Russell. Luck is involved in the sport. He's had a very solid start to the season, considering what Mercedes yeah. were saying. Yeah, and considering who his teammate is. Yeah, yeah. He's beating him by, I think he's leading by nine points over Hamilton. So yeah. not that that's huge. It's one DNF essentially, but um, yeah. So people who didn't finish the race, Verstappen, Vettel, and Sainz. Oh yeah, Verstappen didn't finish. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't even touched that topic. Uh, way more important, Betel drove a scooter on track and got fined 5,000 euros for it. I wanted to mention that because there was so many memes that came from it that it was the funniest thing ever. That was Basically, pretty good. someone inserted a, an Uber Eats like bag on the back of the scooter and then 
uh, photoshopped it into, I think, last year's Aust or the last time that the Australian Grand Prix took place and photoshopped the uh, the scooter, like overtaking all the cars at the corner one with just the caption, and Vettel sends it. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was just very good fun. Um, but yeah, shitty weekend for Vettel. He's had a terrible start to this season. Two yeah. races missed because of COVID and then uh, the safety car issue uh not the safety car sorry but like a couple crashes on the weekend and then the uh the scooter incident he got fined twice over the weekend once for the scooter once for exceeding the limit in the uh pits so he he had a he had a rough one uh but then verstappen also had a rough one maybe you well, wanna well verstappen had a rough one considering who he is right um, yeah. He was saying, yeah, this car has no, this car doesn't have good balance and we're behind and all that. And he's right, you know, but you're considering this person is driving on a similar level to Leclerc in a car that might be significantly worse. Anyways, he had a terrible weekend for being the champion, um, uh, being the uh, acting world champion. And he's, what, 45 points behind Leclerc now and it's pretty much already gone, um, this championship for, for Verstappen. But yeah, he had a, I mean, he had a pretty shit weekend. He didn't finish. He only qualified second. Overall, yeah. not looking good for the man. Yeah, and that was interesting because right until the very end of uh, Q3, Verstappen had provisional pole essentially, or like he was mm -hmm. he was right on the neck pace with Leclerc, and, and then the Leclerc just lap, lapped it. Yeah, and he almost beat him by three tenths, which was that's a big margin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like at the end and he just he hit it out maybe they were running heavier beforehand or I don't know but it, it seemed pretty impressive uh, Leclerc has become a very good driver he's taken another step this season and everybody's saying that so we don't need to spend much time on that but um, yeah another driver pairing I wanted to highlight which I think is another guy who had a really unlucky qualifying session um, the Alpine drivers Ocon mm -hmm. is now at 20 points in total Alonso has two, I believe. Yeah. So Akon is on, on, on course at, at the very least to like completely outbeat and beat his teammate. The Alpines were really fast this weekend in Australia. Alonso, if it hadn't been for a gear issue, he would have probably been on the front row qualifying wise. At least he thought he would have been. And he definitely had the pace, assuming his last sector would have been good. Um but yeah, that essentially led to him. Um, uh, where did he finish, actually? Uh, Arcon six. No, sorry. No, Alonso finished last. Oh, well, Alonso finished. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Arcon finished. And I'm not quite sure why that was that he that he dropped so far down. Um, maybe that's something you can elaborate on. But I can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think he got frustrating. With... Alonso weekend. To be honest, there was a lot more potential. The Alpine was really quick. They had a good package there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Alonso, yeah, the way he crashed, that kind of took took a lot of steep out of him. Um, and then I don't actually know why he why he finished so low, um, but I'd imagine he got unlucky on the tire tries. I think he started on the hards and then the safety car bunched everyone together, but he had to stay on them and then he probably had to take a pit stop later um, and couldn't catch up from there. And didn't do what uh, Albon did. Yeah. Albon is funny. He pitted, I think, in, when? At the very end with the safety car? Second to last lap. Yeah. yeah. And then he had one lap um, where he only had to fight off Joe uh, for like two, uh, two corners. And then he essentially got uh, 
he essentially got 10th place just by that. It was really, really interesting. I thought at first they weren't going to pit him at all and just take a 30-second penalty, uh, but the way they did it was actually smarter. Really cool. Well, they got a little lucky. I mean, it was risky. Uh, Super risky, yeah, but it worked. But, but it worked, but it worked. And here we go. I think uh, another amazing fact to kind of point out, a streak was broken this weekend in qualifying. Mm. Um, Bottas had qual had been in Q3 for 103 consecutive races, which is just incredible. Uh, as a as as like a comparison, Hamilton, his record is 66. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, same car, teammate, etc. Bottas was so it really shows Bottas' qualifying potential, and yeah. he just missed out with the Alpha um, in the third race of the season, mind you. Nobody expected them to be a consistent Q3 participant. Mm-hmm. And he managed to bring it home in eighth place and get four more points, which again, like he's had a great start to the season. Yeah, it was interesting to me this weekend uh, that you mentioned that the Alpha didn't um, didn't make it into Q3. This weekend, the Mercedes cars were the ones to score the most points overall. So both Mercedes, the two um, McLarens, um, together scored more points than the Ferrari-powered cars because the Hasses didn't finish in the points. The Alphas didn't, and then of course the, um, of course the two Ferraris finished. Uh, well, the uh, Let, uh, Leclerc finished, but because Science was out, yeah, um, they didn't score that many points. So overall, uh, engine-wise, the um, the Mercedes engines were the strongest. Well, and then weekend. you had the Williams I, that got one point too. <laughs> yeah, and I w- I would say the Mercedes cars were also the weakest this weekend, just because you know they made up the bottom as well with the uh, um, Williams and the um, Aston Martins, but. Uh, yeah, maybe this like dominance of Ferrari engine-powered cars isn't as strong as we thought it would be. Yes, however, I think it is slightly biased by the fact that if you look at the DNFs plus Alonso, who I guess we can count as a DNF because you know the Alpine wouldn't be all the way down there if it wasn't for some issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you have four DNFs, let's just say, and that's an Alpine, a Red Bull, and a Ferrari involved there, and an mm-hmm. Aston Martin just one Merc, but those three you would otherwise expect to be in the top 10. Yeah. Which, which would chase out a Williams, maybe an Alfa Romeo, maybe the Alfa Tauri, um, and maybe the McLarens. But the McLarens seem to have uh, done a really good job in, in bringing a solid package to the track. So good for them. They got a solid points haul this, uh, this weekend. And yeah, I think that that is very promising for the future. Yeah, although they were saying that they fully expect not to be good on other tracks. And we have to consider two things. Um, Next race is Imola. Imola is a very different track from anything we've been on so far. Um, A full-blown, full-flavored racetrack. Um, How do I say? Yeah, meaning what? Well, corner-wise, completely different, right? Um, It's not a city thing. Um, they don't have long, they have one long straight, but they aren't long straight corner, long straight corner, long straight corner. Um, it's a very twisty turny, a very fast corner, uh, um, a very fast corner situation. I'm really excited to see how Imola and other like European tracks compare to what we've seen so far, because the Ferrari looks strong in that kind of environment, but the Red Bull, for example, doesn't at all. Um, neither does the Mercedes, neither does the um, the McLaren. So we might see some some really interesting stuff. 
we could see a completely in the change order. of order yeah 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 um, oh I, then i have a prediction already for that well wait until i say the second thing is i've been hearing a lot of rumors that a lot of teams are bringing their first update package to imola red bull has a lot of teams already brought theirs to australia though really who yeah there was uh mercedes was one of the only teams that didn't bring an upgrade mm, i'm not sure maybe maybe that's not as major as uh, some of as what you uh looked up but yeah we like in these next couple races for sure we're gonna see big um upgrades i saw one thing that we might see regarding the aston martin because their aspirations are obviously not p9 um mm -hmm. that they might completely change their side pods and um yeah they might even potentially follow mercedes with the no pods or hide pods or whatever you want to call them uh but basically to, to completely take them off and um, restructure them. I also think I, ha I haven't seen a single other car um, like Ferraris, the way the side pods work and the way you kind of, it goes down on top. And yeah. I, I wonder if cars will start copying that. Um, I'm curious. I don't know. Maybe it's dependent on engine size. So, so only Ferrari it, cars could do it. No, you bring up a really interesting point, right? Because I remember something Günther Steiner said that their, uh, the Mercedes no-pod design was one of their early drafts and they decided against it because they thought the development path they can take with their idea would be a bit, uh, would be more fruitful. So this whole, like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to see these cars um, homogenate and, um, and become this, you know, uh, become really similar. And here I am, think I am thinking, I think only cars like the Aston Martin, like cars who have such a clear deficit, will be able to copy anything because a lot of other cars will be sort of in their own development path. You know, you can't tell yeah. me that you can't tell me that the Red Bull, which has such a different aero structure, will suddenly just adapt the one Ferrari has. You know, they have probably too much to gain from their own updates than they would from completely, you know, going back to zero and then figuring reverse engineering how Ferrari would evolve. Which I love about these regulations that they're open yeah. enough to not make it, you know, going towards the same car because they've yeah. planned their development plan and how that will affect their own performance. So it's not worth scrapping their own thing yet. And yeah. uh, I fully agree there. That'd be it, it'll be neat to see. And the one team that can do copying very well is Aston Martin. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> if we think about it, <laughs> uh, so so they should do a pretty good job there. They'll just color the mercedes uh green and yellow and that's what's so funny though I, I was thinking about this the other day watching uh qualifying and we were staying at the beginning of the season when the cars came out we were talking about it we were saying man the aston martin it looks fast it looks mean it looks really good it yeah. i hope it's at the front i hope they made this huge jump and then we were saying yeah, but it could also be a car that just looks amazing and is absolute shit. Yeah. And it seems like it's become the latter. Yeah. Yeah. The car is a dog. Yeah. And I, I sincerely think because I think Fetzer has a contract with Aston Martin um, till 2023. I don't know if it includes the 2023 season. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's one more season after this. I'd be surprised if we still see him in the Aston Martin next season. Does that mean... A lot of people were saying he's probably going to retire at the end of the season if it doesn't go great. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that will be true. I think he'll change teams. I'll, I think he has one more team change um, in him, let's say. He should have gone to Alpine instead of Aston Martin when he yeah. switched. I don't think... So I was also thinking who could take who would take him. Um, and Alpine won't. 
Um, we, we, can go, we can go through them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Williamswood. And Fettel loves heritage. Fettel loves a team that has heritage in Formula 1. Yeah, he is a nerd. That's true. Yeah. So because I was going through who, who, might, who might still take him. I was saying Ferrari won't. Mercedes won't. Red Bull won't. McLaren, maybe. But I think they're better off with Ricardo. Alpine won't. Alfa Romeo won't. Haas won't. Um, had they I not got had, had had has not gotten Magnussen, I would have said they would. But uh, since they got Magnussen, I think they're too happy with ha- Magnussen and Schumacher. Yeah, but like I would, I agree, it's less of a chance. But I think Haas has a chance because Schumacher Vettel pairing, mm. like K Mag would have to either jump to a different team. I don't know. Depends on what happens in the silly season. Yeah, I don't. I don't think K Mag will change. Uh, but I Hans. agree, Williams is the clear. I think Williams is is they're going to be looking to get rid of um, Latifi. I think if he keeps performing like yeah. this, uh, Fettel will bring in money, um, not like directly, but you know, having Fettel on there will be a good money making opportunity. Yeah, and he loves BWT, so they could create that sponsorship going over. Uh, that's why I thought Alpine initially was a good idea because Vettel was their long like brand ambassador and stuff. And, really? Uh, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Interesting. Yeah, he he got dropped now as brand ambassador because he's not an Alpine driver. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Because before that, the the pink cars were, uh, you know, Racing Point, Force India, yeah. etc. Uh, I do think Williams has the highest likelihood, just because they have the, well, honestly, probably worst driver on the grid. Um, Joe and and everybody else is is presumably going to stay, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on what happens, because I think there's going to be quite a few driver shifts in the next uh, in this next um, window, and then another driver that's definitely going to get a seat soon or next season which also makes Alpine unrealistic although Alpine confirmed that Alonso will probably stay for at least next season yeah um, is Oscar Piastri exactly he, exactly he has to come in so I don't know where they put him in um but we'll, we'll see so I don't know if Vettel wants to go with a shit Williams because he'll see how shit they are over the whole year yeah well but he blew their whole development budget in two weekends I mean, so, but look what's happening. Williams is out driving Aston Martin. One point difference. Yep. <laughs> so. Absolutely fucking roasted them. <laughs> Took him apart. So yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think my tip for the for Australia was um, that Schumacher would finally get points. That did not happen. So yeah, gonna, but he was close. I'm going to push that prediction to next race. I think really? it will happen next race. No, no, absolutely not. You think the Mercedes cars will be really big next race? No. Um, no, I don't think so. Because the Mercedes cars, um, uh, all the Mercedes engine cars seem to be strongest in like high speed flowing corners. And Imola doesn't have that. Imola has a lot of like medium to low speed corners. So yeah, I don't think... have many straights, as you said. So Mercedes doesn't lose a lot of ground. Well, but Mer- I don't think Mercedes loses most of their ground just on the straights. And also, they're not good enough in, in you know, I think Fair. the straights, yeah. I, which, think the Fer- I think the Ferrari is going to look um, pretty strong. Um, yeah, I, think the Red- I think the Red Bull, might- well, the Ferrari, but not the Ferrari engine car. Actually, yeah, maybe the Haas is strong. Yeah, who knows? Well, I'm, I'm not saying Schumacher is going to get a podium. I'm saying like a P10. Yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. Pro- yeah, okay. Actually, maybe you're right. You're right. Um, we'll see. The McLarens will be interesting to watch. 
Yeah. Especially if they bring some upgrades. Yeah, I think anyone who's strong in like the lower speeds, which aren't a lot of them, uh, will be strong here. Wow. Ferrari is going to be strong regardless. Yeah, closest to Bar closer to Bahrain kind of settings, I think. That could very well be. Yeah. I think actually I think the Red Bulls will be quite strong because so far what I've been hearing is that they have trouble finding the balance, right, between their high top speed and their um down and uh, their downforce. But this is a track where in my opinion it's so clear that you pitch your car towards downforce, right? So if they just go high downforce, get their top speed down to what Ferrari does and just have all the advantages of having a high a high downforce instead, I could see that really work out if they manage to get it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what's really interesting is, um, so coming into the season, both Red Bull and Mercedes had said, we're going to be behind because we started developing later. <laughs> yeah. And those cunts were right. <laughs> Who Absolutely. Thought? Absolutely. But here's the thing. Uh, I think they didn't like build a bad car. They no. built an excellent car, both teams, Mercedes as well, mm. that, 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 that can challenge for any race, essentially. I mean, Mercedes, not yet. They still, but the planned development, I, I really trust in that car. Um, but especially Red Bull. The thing is, I just don't think they had enough time to test different scenarios, um, which is where all these random reliability issues just keep popping up. And yeah. that's what's going to kill it for them. They're, they're, I I genuinely believe that, uh, that Ferrari's already won the Constructors' Championship. I will wait with something like that until the first sets of major updates start coming in. But I will say that if Ferrari still looks dominant um, by the time we head to Miami, which I think is in, what, Man. two races? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, let's double check. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the time, if they still look dominant by the time we leave Miami, I might, I might agree with you there. And Miami is going to be fascinating anyway. But because they're be going to be strong in circuit. Spain because everyone's prepared for Spain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Monaco doesn't matter. It's always Monaco. And then we know that they're going to be competitive on anything that comes after uh, because the tracks don't really vary too much. I mean, it depends ah, what they tough. do with the. Did they change the layout for the, or have they announced this yet? I read this recently. Uh, Paul Ricard, the French Grand Prix. Yeah. Apparently, it has over 800 possible layouts. Really? Oh, yeah, of course. They have all those. Uh... But 800. <laughs> yeah. It's just a number that I thought, holy cow, they can build 800 different racetracks. That's pretty cool, huh? Mm. Yeah. Anywho, Toby, take us through the, um, the standings then right now, as it were. All right, driver standing. So you you'll do construct constructors. I'll do drivers. Well, quickly to to cap off the uh, the the race, Leclerc won. If anybody was uh, still guessing on that, yeah. yeah, he also got fastest lap. He got a he got a grand slam. Actually, this is worth mentioning. In Formula One, a grand slam is pole position, leading every lap um, of the race, and getting the fastest lap of the race and winning the race think that those are the four qualifying factors the last time a ferrari driver managed it was i believe kimi raikkonen when he won the championship in 2007 uh, really? and every time a ferrari driver has managed it in the at some point in a the season they've won the driver's championship damn I and it hasn't happened that. that often like this is ferrari specific stats but i think it's an interesting one perez yeah, got p2 
because Max fell through or he had to stop. He cut out his engine. Um, Max would have otherwise finished P2. So Red yeah. Bull lost another 18 points there, gave more points to Mercedes, gave Mercedes a podium. Russell and Hamilton, third and fourth, respectively. Norris and Ricardo coming in uh, within half a second of each other, getting P5 and six. Then we got Ocon, Bottas, Gasly, and Albon to round out the top 10. On to the um, other standings, season standings. Season standings. So unsurprisingly, Leclerc um, far ahead, um, ahead by 34 points of Russell, who's in P2. Um, I think how many points have we had available? Uh, three times 26, right? So, 75, uh, uh, 78. so 70, 78 points were available Leclerc, uh, to Leclerc. Essentially, if he'd won all three races, he has minimally below that. So looking really strong. Second yeah. is Russell, uh, just by sheer consistency. Uh, third is Sainz, would probably be second if he hadn't DNF this weekend. Third is Perez, surprisingly doing better than Verstappen, but also having only finished two out of three races. Um, insane stat out of six race starts, Red Bull has only finished three. That um, is weird, yeah, and it's it's a little unsettling to be honest, yeah. yeah. And they keep saying that it's non internal engine problems, right? So something external is going wrong because um, remember, everybody's scrutinizing Red Bull right now because they they officially have Red Bull powertrains now, right? Yeah, for the, for the power units, taking yeah. it over from Honda. Honda still is minimally on their cars and you know consulting them but it's officially a red bull operation now yeah and they made it seem like it would be a flawless transition maybe the reasons it's coincidental but it very much seems like there's a lot of issues right around the engine <laughs> and they seem more fuel related so far but uh like we had the vapor issue in bahrain and um this one was also more fuel related i don't know the exact difference though but very very concerning yeah extremely so um then hamilton uh, ahead of verstappen and as you mentioned earlier we're all looking at verstappen as the championship contender just because he's the only one who's beaten the clerk so far but he's in sixth dude 25 points after three races man he's only got the points from the one time he won a race anyways then yeah, which Ar is really funny <laughs> yeah Ar uh, followed by Arcon, norris and magnuson and then bartas in that order um really interesting yeah. Uh, seeing Akon so far up is really interesting because I would have said uh, Alonso's been the stronger Alpine driver, but Akon's just been racking in the leftover points wherever he can. Norris, um, for how poor, for how much of a dog the McLaren is, Norris at 16 points isn't that bad. No, he's um, had two consecutive point finishes. I think P7 and now P5. So, or no, no. P, yeah, P5, which which is solid. Uh, then the two Scandinavians, Magnussen and Bottas, both on 12 points, um, both fulfilling similar roles in their team, right? The experienced uh, driver, with the difference that Magnussen came in after a year of break and, and performing similarly to Bottas, it. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, then Ricardo, who seems to be recovering a bit. Gasly, Tsunoda, uh, both Alpines in a, uh, Alpha, sorry, both Alpha Tauris in similar positions in the championship, uh, both not doing excessively great, but still mopping up where they can. Unlucky um, Alonso next. Yeah, Alonso, Joe, and Alban next in that order. Alonso um, doesn't have enough points for how good he's been this season, I think, but um, not getting points last race certainly didn't help. Um, Joe, I think, is doing really well. Um, yeah. Alban is doing well in the Williams. Schumacher, a bit of a shame. Um, his big thing was that he didn't compete in um, Jedi, I feel. Uh, and then Stroll, Hülkenberg, Latifi, and Vettel. 
um, all on zero points. Um, none of them doing too well. I also want to point out that Hülkenberg is ahead of Vettel right now. Yeah. Which well, Hülkenberg funny. has finished more races than Vettel. Yeah, true, true. So we'll see if that changes in a couple of races time. Yeah. Hülkenberg is also ahead of Latifi. <laughs> yeah, which genuinely might stay this way. Nikita Mazepin finished behind Robert Kubica last year. That was going to be my next <laughs> fun fact. But I think it's interesting if you look at Alpine's drivers, right? Alcon is clearly ahead of Alonso. Mm-hmm. Due to some bad luck, honestly, not because Alonso made huge mistakes or anything, but I think it's a similar uh, picture as Russell being ahead of Hamilton, and the gap isn't the same necessarily. But I mm-hmm. do think that those inter-team standings can stay the same. I believe Russell can outscore Hamilton this season because they don't have the best car, and uh, that's a bet that a lot of people actually made before the season started, prediction-wise. Yeah. Um, so I'll, that's a curious one to watch, and we'll see if maybe something, you know, there's some heat coming from that. I guess we'll have to see. What's also funny looking at the drivers' standings is Leclerc has 71 points, right? Mm-hmm. Second place is Russell with 37 points. So yeah. that's you know 34 point difference. Uh, look, Russell with 37, and Ocon in seventh place at 20 points is only a 17-point gap. So you, you can kind of really see the Ferrari dominance coming out, or Leclerc dominance at the very least. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how those gaps change over the course of the season or the next couple races, um, either prior to upgrades, and then how they'll how the um, how the tendencies will go after the big upgrades happen. And you're saying you're expecting the upgrades to come in Imola. Yeah, I'm expecting the first batch of like big updates from everyone to come in Imola because it makes sense, right? After Imola um, where is, is Miami, but I don't know how quick of a track is Miami. Is it a, is it a quick, tur- a quick track or a, uh, well, top speed wise? It's a street circuit. That's how much I know. But nowadays, street circuit can mean the fastest track in yeah, the world. But if you look exactly. At have, a look, have a look at the track in Miami. If this, if what I'm looking at is the official outline, which I think it is, there's two straights, two major straights, and there's a lot of bendy bits in between. 200 this looks miles more, per hour. This looks more space. like Abu Dhabi than it does to um, you know Jeddah to me. So I'm not sure if this is such a high-speed track. So for me, it makes sense that if teams start bringing updates in going into the european season that favors these like mid speed corners a bit more you know and then top speed not might not be that important and we'll we'll see we'll see who um who comes out ahead yeah that's exactly what i'm looking at in miami we have we have a couple well we have one straight straight and then we have one jetta type kind of straight with weird half corners in it yeah um like down the back end of it so that part's similar to it but i think in 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 general, there are a bit more corners. And, yeah, uh, much more. The, the average speed we'll on see. this track is going to be much lower. Um, yeah. Which is going to benefit some cars and not benefit some others, which is, well, great way. <laughs> great commentary, <laughs> Toby. This is, this is what we listen to your fucking podcast for. Yes, well, some cars will most likely be faster than others. Some cars will finish the race, while others will not. <laughs> um, in other news, what we haven't really talked about, or did we talk about the Vegas Grand Prix? Which means we now have three American Grand Prix from the 2023 season. Don't think we talked about it, not much at least. Well, they announced it, and it's going to be boring as fuck, and that's about <laughs> all we need to talk about. <laughs> be, honest with, be honest with you, I, I couldn't care less about it. But that's my emotional reaction to it. The only reason, like, the, the F1, this is what's 
crazy from a business sense. Usually you need sponsors to launch a new Grand Prix, right? In terms mm-hmm. of like the marketing and, 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 and publicizing it everywhere and selling tickets and, you know, building everything and yada, yada, yada. This project is 100% owned by F1 and Liberty Media by extension. Yeah, uh, they completely invested. It's, I don't think it's ever been done before. Or like it hasn't been done in a really long time where they've completely just done it on their own because they have such a belief in the market and taking it on. Um, so I'm pretty sad that the Grand Prix they released is that shit. It looks really, really boring. And it honestly reminds me of people that go to a restaurant and order like really cool food to take a picture and then leave without eating food. it's the salt bay of and grand prix posted on instagram <laughs> massively expensive good at yeah, the start there's but one over there's one straight and there's there's one straight and admittedly the straight is cool because it goes down the strip which is where all the main casinos and and hotels and everything is mm-hmm. uh, the strip is the famous part of vegas that's why people go to vegas uh and that's cool but it's a really boring track and if you compare it to the Vegas Grand Prix they had in the 80s or even earlier, um, yeah, okay, it's better than building it in a parking lot like a Formula E track, but it's still not really up to standards of what we want to see now. Uh, yeah. So so I'm not very excited for it. I think they honestly fucked it up a little bit. And uh, I saw a couple people who were, you know, video game, the video game track is out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that fun. Uh, yeah. And they put it on a Saturday evening, so it'll be like two in the morning or three in the morning European time, which I don't mind, to be honest, because Europe has like 12 races already on the calendar. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't I don't care about that. Um, and it's good to, to, to push it elsewhere. People are saying America has too many Grand Prix. The U.S. is like bigger than Europe. So, you know, we have 12 Grand Prix. Why can't yeah. they have three in completely differing locations? I'm totally fine with that as well. It's just like, dude, put some more effort into the fucking track design. <laughs> I get you went the one straight, but it seems like you spent the whole time working on the one straight and like five minutes on the rest of the track. So, yeah, that's my emotional reaction to that. Uh, but Miami looks good, so I'm looking forward to that. I think, honestly, man, I think Miami will be a more boring race than Las Vegas. Because, you know, look at these corners. huh? Um so it goes um, counterclockwise. T1 and 2, there's a break zone into T1. Maybe you can overtake there. But then it's immediately flowing stuff. You can't overtake into, you can't outbreak really into 4, 5, and 6. Around 7, I don't know if there, how much. Around 7 there is. and 8, I think you can. N- Maybe. Knowing how close these cars are. Yeah. That's and then down and 9, I don't know 10, where the, into where the 11 DRS will be the main breaking. Play. Into 11 and into 17 will be the main overtaking, I'll say. Well, because then we the have, rest just I looks mean, like whole, Russia, you know? From 11 through 16 uh, or so. Where are you going to overtake there? You're, there's nothing where you accelerate or really decelerate from, from incredible heights where you can really eke out much. Well, from coming we out know of this, turn... We know this from Abu Dhabi. Yeah? These, um, these like accelerate out of corner only to break into chicane kind of stuff doesn't work for overtaking. There's not enough speed difference. Maybe not quite overtaking, but close racing and hard racing. Yeah, maybe so enough you, for like you, to set up something really. But yeah, know. so if you go into turn seven, which is like a long bendy one, mm-hmm. uh, I can see coming side alongside each other or very close to each other. The eight can be a little bit of a brake maneuver. I again, I don't know where the DRS zones are going to be, which could really 
play a, have an impact on that. Then you go through nine and 10, which I don't think will yield anything. But in 11, you could, you have an outbreaking opportunity. Again, we might see strategic overtaking or not overtaking because of DRS zones and where they're placed. So that could affect. And then you have a very close, you know, 11 late break into 12. And then you have a chicane. Uh, and then turn 16 goes into that final long straight onto turn 17, which is where it could happen again. But I agree, it's it's limited in a few. Um, I'm hoping maybe we can just get keep the cars close. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And that that might be fun. I, I feel like it has the potential. I will say this track looks a lot more boring when you think of last year's car, which is probably still what I have in my subconscious. Maybe with this year's car, it'll be a lot more interesting. This year's car is everything's different, and like it's also how people are racing, right? It's 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 DRS chicken is the common term now. Um, like, you know, it changes their whole strategy of how what's even possible. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't that relevant in Australia. No, but that's track layout. Again, I don't know where the DRS ones are going to be in Miami here. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Um, finally, uh, we missed to or I missed the Constructors Championship. I wanted to quickly highlight that as we've covered starting at the bottom and we're still at the bottom is Williams and Aston Martin. Uh, they have not done well, although Williams got their first point of the season through Albon uh, this weekend. So shout out to him. Awesome job. Alpha Tauri in P8 right now with 10 points. Probably want to be further up, but I'm hoping uh, that they'll have a good development schedule or plan. So I guess we'll see what happens there because it seems at least Sonoda and Gasly are the, like the team wise, driver pairing wise. They're, they're better now than they were last season. Uh, hopefully that continues. Haas and P7 uh, with 12 points, Alfa Romeo 13. So we see Alfa Tauri Haas and Alfa Romeo really, really close and battling it. So we have those three positions for P6, one could say. Uh, and then we have Alpine McLaren battling for P4 currently, uh, 22 and 24 points respectively. Red Bull in third at 55 points. Mercedes in second at 65 points and uh, Ferrari at 104 points with five out of six possible podiums. And it's only five out of six because Sainz had an unlucky, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to label it as unlucky, to be honest, uh, an unlucky weekend. You can't feel well. He's your turbo driver. No, that's why I'm really giving him so much credit. <laughs> in fact, I had a shit weekend in fantasy. I think I scored under 100 points. I haven't um, checked it, but I can't imagine. You did my... well. Did I? You did okay. Well, you did better than me. I think you were the best of our league for this weekend. Interesting. But I think we all sucked. That was more it. You yeah. just sucked the less, the least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're looking at constructors, Ferrari 104, almost double what Red Bull has at 55. And uh, that's very, very concerning, I would say, to Red Bull. So hopefully there's a double Ferrari DNF to make it close again. That's kind of my hope as a, as a objective viewer. Yeah. Um, anywho, yeah, so much for that. Uh, exciting weekend and exciting weekends to come with Imola and the upgrades. And we have uh, two weeks until that race, so it gives them a little bit more time. Uh, Jules got 108 points in Australia. Yeah, that's not good. No, but it's better than either of us. I think I got like 98 or something. No, you got 69. I got 95. 69? Yeah. Eesh. I will say... 
I, I, have, I, I have two te- I made two teams at the start of the, at the start of too. the season, right? My second team is doing so much better than my first team by like 150 points. My just because team. I have Leclerc as my turbo driver in there. Me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put Red Bull as the team and then both Ferrari drivers. And I put Leclerc as my turbo one. So yeah. I got 180 points this weekend for my second team. Yeah. So too bad. Ah, what's you gonna do? Anywho, no. on that bombshell. Um, yeah it was a pleasure talking to you Toby we are going to go outside and enjoy the sun now I'm going to go back to work back to work Um, yeah and viewers we have uh, some cool news to share uh, that we will be bringing back a few of our favorite guests from uh, the last two seasons and you can expect uh, those as well as some new ones coming on in the uh, next weeks and months Uh, basically slotting them in between the F1 race reactions. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, we got guests from California over Canada to the UK um, and Germany. So um, uh, it'll be very exciting to also lead those conversations. Yes, sir. And you. So be on the lookout for new episodes and um, yeah, have a wonderful week. All right, my guy. See you then. Bye-bye.